From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. It's Tuesday, December 18th. When an Australian company called Fosslock first hit the market, its sell was hard to resist. Fosslock had created an innovative clay product that had the power to get rid of pollution in waterways around the world. But a new investigation reveals a host of worrying allegations about the company. Of suspected bribery, money paid to dump polluted water, and an alleged cover-up of a wrongful death. Today, investigative reporter Nick McKenzie joins me to discuss the suspect behaviours that led to Fosslock's alleged wrongdoings, and how they remained a secret for so long. So, Nick, this story has got it all. Suspected fraud, alleged bribery, and the dashed hopes and dreams of thousands of Australian investors. So how did you come upon this story in the first place? This is an extraordinary business story and an alleged corruption story. And I first became aware of this company, Foslock, because there were some extraordinary announcements it put out to the stock exchange. Now, mostly when companies are facing internal strife, so allegations of wrongdoing or or corporate criminality, there's very wishy-washy language put out to the stock exchange to investors. Yet in this case, uh, now a couple of years back, the company's new managers said, we've got some shocking problems here. We've called in the federal police. We found alleged accounting fraud, alleged misappropriation of funds. So to have that strong language suggests that there was something even worse perhaps going on behind the scenes, which is why I started looking. Okay, that's interesting. So it made your ears prick up. And before we get into the years of alleged corporate wrongdoing, what exactly was Fosslock actually selling? Tell me about this special clay product, which was designed by scientists at the CSIRO, which is, of course, our peak scientific research organization. That, that's right. It's actually an amazing product that the company, its, its full name was Fosslock Environmental Technologies. PET was its name on the stock exchange. This special product, which is placed into waterways, classic thing would be a dam or or a lake where there's pollution problems and this special clay product sucks the pollution out of the water, traps it and sinks to the bottom of the waterway. And in places where there's been significant water pollution problems and no greater place than perhaps China, all these waterways, lakes, dams, etc. What a great innovation to clean up these waterways. And Foslock's story as a company, its success story that it proselytised around the world was, we will make the world's waterways clean and we'll make a hell of a lot of money doing so. Okay, that sounds amazing, just what the world needs. Because like you say, this clay product was meant to be incredible. And as you've just written in your story, it was meant to be simple to apply with no adverse effects on fish, plant life or humans. But you write that people in the company actually held some dark secrets that were hidden for a long time. So first, can you tell me about the allegedly shady deals and the suspected bribes? Well, when multinationals, Australian companies seek to cross borders, go international and start to build their business in high-risk markets such as China, and high-risk because these are countries we know where there's corruption problems, where there's often kickbacks that are part of deals, where the government of the day intervene or are part of many business deals. So when companies go to these sorts of places like Foslock, the risk of corruption is great. Now, when a company floats on the stock exchange, what they're trying to do as well is to grow often at a a really fast paced, they want to get investment, they want to get capital, they get investors. And China was a great market for Foslock to do that. The pressure was always going to be, though, to meet its revenue sales targets, to become the best next thing on the stock exchange. 
it would need to win all these contracts in China. And the pressure was on to do that. The leaked correspondence leads very clearly to allegations of, of bribery and corruption. So that is that Chinese Communist Party officials, the officials which control who gets what contract in China, were getting gifts, inducements, money to help Foslock grow, and that this was an entrenched part of their business. There was alleged bribery, alleged inducements from the small and poultry to the big. There was some officials from the Environment Protection Authority in China, the sort of environmental agency there, that Foslock needed to get on side, you know, given the nature of its business, cleaning up waterways. So there was emails saying, let's get these officials who we need on side, who might be giving us a bit of trouble, let's get them gift cards, wine, meals, let's buy them with uh, inducements to get them on side. But then to win the actual big multi-million dollar contracts, what the emails reveal is, right, we need to be funneling kickbacks to certain government officials. We'll do that in the form of these commission payments. And what was happening was they would create false labour hire, so false contracts or invoicing for companies that didn't exist for services that weren't never given. But that would allow the money to be taken from a Foslock, put into a bank account, which was actually linked to a middleman who was connected to a government official. And uh, money was then siphoned through those means and in return, a contract would be given to the company. And what are we talking about? We're talking about some significant figures here. In one case, for instance, an alleged payment of up to $2 million to win a contract. And you know, this was repeated in contract after contract after contract. Now, we're not talking about proven bribes here. You know, obviously, the police have to do their job. A court can be the only place where someone or a company can be found to be corrupt. But certainly, the weight of evidence suggests very strongly that Foslock was engaging in very high-risk behaviour that certainly has the appearance of bribery. Okay, and your investigation has also revealed another dark secret that was hidden for a long time, and that was actually an unlawful death involving a Foslock worker and an alleged cover-up of that death. So what happened there? It's a really sort of grotty part of this company's uh, business. In fact, there's two really grotty examples which spring to mind. The first involves an accident where a truck driver was driving a truck at a Foslock site in China, and that truck was only designed, only allowed to be used at that Foslock site. Uh, this fellow decides to leave the site and ploughs into a person on a motorbike and there's a death. And suddenly there's a, a risk that Foslock itself will be criminally or, or civilly liable for this terrible accident, which has led to a Chinese person dying. And in the files, we see what happens is Foslock withdraws about $270,000. That's its managers in China. And they put a portion of that to be used to either pay off the family and or pay off police who are investigating this accident. So basically to cover up or to ensure the company is not liable in a case where it may well have been liable. There's another really grotty example involving the company's misbehaviour though, and that's where they're paying public officials in China seemingly to dump dirty water, to discharge polluted water. Now think about that. This company's selling its product around the world with this vision of cleaning up waterways. And here we have documents which suggest they are making payoffs to actually discharge dirty water, contrary to the company's mission, raising really, really serious questions of bribery, corruption and corporate governance. We'll be right back. 
So, Nick, how were all of these allegations of corruption actually uncovered? Because you wrote about one pivotal moment when Fosslock boss Lachlan McKinnon received an email from a manager in China way back in 2020. That's right. There's two new managers coming, a new CEO and Lachlan McKinnon and a new chief financial officer, a guy called Matthew Parker. And what we know from the leaked documents and ASX reporting is they start seeing some very obvious red flags. The company's engaged in some very, very suspicious behaviour. And they start to to commission KPMG to conduct an audit and start looking through uh, documents and telling investors something's wrong here. And that's really the moment where the company starts to come undone. They are so concerned, they ultimately call in the federal police to begin an investigation into foreign bribery and other corporate alleged crimes. I get involved uh, some time ago and I start to see what I'm sure McKinnon and Parker were also seeing, which is all these suspicious transactions, all these suspicious emails. And my conclusion is far starker than what even the company's put out on the public record to date, which is that this company was systemically corrupt. There was an absolute acceptance of high-risk behaviour and indeed its whole business in China, which was the core part of its international business in terms of a key revenue driver, seemed to have been founded on very high-risk business strategies which left the door open to bribery and corruption. A really staggering set of events which raised not only questions for the company and questions around its governance, but questions for our corporate regulator and our authorities, the federal police, ASIC, which is in charge of regulating our corporations. What were Aussie authorities doing when this company was acting as if it was the Wild West and and acting as if rules and laws and regulations perhaps didn't apply? So what did you find out about how the authorities managed this or didn't? I mean, were they asleep at the wheel? Was something else going on? What we see happen is what we see happen time and time again when it comes to these sorts of investigations. They drag on. They're stalled. The police often don't have the resources, despite the best intention of investigators to get to the bottom of things, don't have the resources or powers or legislative heft to really quickly advance these investigations in a way that ensures the company is held to account when things are going wrong. And, and this is a case in point. The regulator, ASIC, the uh, AFP, the federal police, I mean, they were called in in November 2021. Two years have passed since then. The company's not been charged. There's been no individual charged. And one major problem is this. At the moment, there's been a package of reforms that's been stalled with successive governments. It's stuck in the Senate now, which would make the police's job much easier. These are reforms that would make the investigation and prosecution of foreign bribery involving Aussie companies a fair bit easier for for the cops. And yet those changes still aren't in place. Now, while those legislative reforms aren't in place, investigations like this one into Foslock will take far too long. And the outcome for, for Australia and for investors is a poor one. And I'm interested in the investors because you've written that really the only people so far who have really paid for doing business with Foslock are the 6,000 or so Australian investors. So why have they in particular been hit by this and nobody else? Well, they've done their dough to, to speak plainly. These are lots of mum and dad investors, some institutional investors that believe the Foslock story, that believe the company would go use this great technology ethically, lawfully, appropriately to... Uh, to win huge contracts around the world and become a massive company. At one point in time, its value was around $1 billion, at least on paper, on the stock exchange. You know, we had thousands of investors putting their hard-earned bucks, not just money. They very much superannuations is pouring into this company. And there's an expectation that, okay, a company may not be successful. There's always a risk it's going to fail. But there's an expectation at the very least a company will act lawfully. And there's real questions in this case about whether this company did act lawfully. 
and massive questions about the standard of corporate governance, which is too little too late for investors because right now that, that company is worth nothing. It's stalled, trading it stopped. It was suspended from the stock exchange. And the latest company news is we know it's going to be more than likely wound up. And you know where shares were worth at one point one dollar fifty per share, they'll be sold. They'll get back maybe one or two cents per share. So really, walk away with next to nothing. And so, what have you come away with thinking about why Foslock was able to get away with all of this suspect conduct for so many years? I mean, does this whole scandal have anything to teach us? Absolutely, it does. Before I answer that, I should say there are some people who've got very rich from Foslock. Some. Uh, senior directors, uh, former directors, uh, some senior executives sold out at the right time when those shares were worth a dollar fifty, a dollar forty, a dollar thirty, and they've walked away with with millions of dollars. I think that's a serious point because some of those who've profited, who've made a lot of money from this company, were responsible for its corporate governance. They're not the ones left with worthless investments at the end of the day. And that's that's a really really significant point that's that's worthy of further scrutiny. For me, this is a really important case study, though, of our system of enforcing good corporate governance in Australia, our system of ensuring that when a company or a senior executive breaks the law, that they are held to account. You know, if somebody is caught stealing from a milk bar, they'll they'll be charged, they might go to jail for three months. For petty criminals, they're more easily unstuck and the law goes after them. Going after big companies and they've got the best lawyers in town is expensive. It's resource intensive. We need good laws to do so. And for many years in Australia, there's been a a debate as to why our system of corporate crime enforcement isn't up to scratch. And it's quite interesting. It almost speaks to a larger irony, perhaps. We're a country that prides itself on equality. This suggests that perhaps we have a particular blindness towards white-collar criminals. Well, absolutely. I think it's a good place to be a white-collar criminal in Australia nowadays. Much more needs to be done to ensure that if you break the law at the top end of town, you are held to account. Australia also likes to go around our region talking about the need to fight corruption and saying we're a relatively clean country. Yet if we can't police our own companies that are doing the wrong thing, then what does that say about the way we really truly enforce our own corruption standards? What does it say about how hypocrisy, we turn our nose down at overseas countries where corruption is a big problem, yet we're not doing enough to ensure that our own individuals, our own business people, our own companies are playing by the rules that we hope other countries play by as well. And it's simply not, not good enough. Thank you so much, Nick, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Tammy Mills. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening.